Wednesday night, and they say, man, that's where we was at then, and you're going to hear some of this again a little bit, but it's different. It's better to hear a message from God twice than to not get to hear it, amen? So consider yourself double blessed if you were here Wednesday. But anyway, all kidding aside, I want to talk to us together. As the, I turned it on. The light's on. That means go. All right. It was on. Thank you for letting me know before I got 10 minutes in. But anyway, I want to talk to us a little while about kingdom leadership and look at a, a biblical history of church organization. How did we get to where we are and how we do things? And I don't know about you, but I believe everything God wants us to do and how to do it is in the Word of God. And so that's where you go. That's where you look. Now, I want us to turn this morning. I want to kind of give you a a history of how we got there. Most of us know it, but it's just a recap to get you where I want us to look at. But in the beginning, God created us. He created Adam. He created Eve. Sin entered in. And we were lived to live eternally in the presence of God in that place called Paradise, the Garden of Eden. But sin separated us, and we were put out. And mankind began to multiply without a relationship with God. By the time we get to Noah, mankind had got so far from God, we had become so wicked that God said, I wish I hadn't even created them. And he destroyed everybody but one man's family, and we know that was Noah. Out of Noah's three sons, out of one son, God had a plan from the beginning to redeem us, to save us, to restore us and reconcile us back to himself so that we could be part of his kingdom. There is a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And you begin to see how God begins to work, and he comes to a place where he found a man named Abraham. God chose Abraham. Abraham didn't chose God. He was a heathen. He was without God. And God came to Abraham and spoke to Abraham, and we don't know exactly how, but God made his name known, and if God makes his self known to you, he will make his will known. And he called Abraham out, and he said, if you'll go where I show you, to the land of milk and honey, my promised land, where I want to establish my people through you. I will multiply your descendants like the stars in the sky and like the sands of the seashores. And he said, I will use you to be a blessing to the whole world. He was talking about who would come through his descendants would be Jesus. And through Abraham, he created from 12 sons, 12 tribes, the people who would become the Old Testament kingdom people of God, the Israelites, the Jews. And they go and he lets them multiply and people often say, I wonder why he let them go to Egypt. Why did he allow them to be placed in Egypt for 400 years and to to be in bondage and to need deliverance? Because everything God does is not only to do it, but it's always to teach us, to show us. He was preparing us for what he would do. Egypt is a picture of the world. Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. They were in bondage to Egypt and to Pharaoh's wicked, tyrannical hand. That's exactly what's wrong with everybody in the world without Jesus. Satan hounds them like a puppet. And he sent a deliverer. Moses is a picture of Christ. He came, let my people go. And Pharaoh didn't want to let his people go. No more than the devil wants to let people go today. But God, through miraculous ways, made his will known through Moses and he made his will happen. He sent the plagues. He brings them out into the wilderness. And 
He begins to show he's going to bring them to the promised land, but here they are again. Israel wouldn't walk by faith. They wouldn't trust God. They, they didn't listen. They walked by sight, and they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. Fast forward, though, and you begin to see how God is beginning to make a special called-out people who are his people, the chosen people of God, Israel. And right after God delivers Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, Moses takes them into the promised land. They go to the holy mountain where God would give them the Ten Commandments, where God would make his presence seen like no other group of people on earth probably will ever get to see again. God's father, God, Moses by then had sent to his father-in-law for him to bring his wife, to bring his two sons. And he had a father-in-law who was a godly man. His name was Jephro. He was a priest. He, he believed in the true God. And he comes, and when he comes, he meets with Moses, and he sees all these people. It is believed by most people who study the Bible that there were 600,000 men, not counting women and children probably. Moses has got all of them out in a desert. He's leading them to the promised land where God's going to be able to provide for them. But they're in the wilderness right now, and Moses is ministering to them. And they meet, and they celebrate, they have a sacrifice. They, they are, are doing everything that they've been doing. And so, if we pick up with me in verse 12 of chapter 18, I want you to look, it says, Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering, and other sacrifices to offer to God. And Aaron, that's Moses' brother, came with the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before the Lord. They were celebrating what God had done. They were having fellowship. Look at verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. It's not like you think of judging. He was ministering to the people. He was giving them instruction. He was working out the differences, the difficulties they were have between, I can imagine there was difficulties with 12 tribes with, with animals and there was things that they needed to physically be able to deal with. And so it says right there that Moses stood before the, the people from morning until evening. Note verse 14. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses did before the people, he said, what is this thing you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening, and Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a difficulty, they come to me. And I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. And that's been God's principle ever since. He has leaders who help the layman and the people to, to lead them, to give them the, the truth of the word of God. And when they have a difficulty, he says in verse 16, they come to me. And I judge between one another, and I make known the statutes and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The things that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you, and you are not able to perform it by yourself. And he says, Listen to me now. I read in the Bible where it says Moses was the most humblest of all men. He was humble. He listened to his father-in-law. And godly leaders... Listen to others who they recognize as other godly people. The Bible says in the, in, the, in, the, in the presence of much counselors is great wisdom. And so Moses listens. And listen to what he tells him. He says, listen in verse 19 to me now, to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. 
Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, though, you shall select from all the people able men. I emphasize able men such as fear God. I want you to understand that the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It means they understand who God is. They have a right understanding and they are in awe of him because he is God. And look at what he says. Look amongst you for able men, men who fear God, men of truth. He's meaning men who not only know the truth, but men who represent the truth. They have integrity. They have godly character. They hate covetousness. That's the things of the world. And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And there you see the beginning of kingdom leadership for the people of God. And it hasn't changed, and it never will, till Jesus comes back, and then we won't need to rule When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back to work with Congress or the Senate. He's king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He is the one and only ruler and authority. But until then, he has set up principles that we are to live by as his children. I want you to see as it evolves and it grows, we're going to look at something. The Bible says that when God is in charge and when things are going his way, for God is not the author of confusion but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. When you are experiencing confusion and a lack of peace, when things are not in order and being done decently, they're not being led by God. Look at that next verse. It's just a couple verses down. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. And friends, that's what God has done throughout the history through the people. When you look at the Old Testament people, the covenant people of God, the Jews, The Old Testament leadership evolved from just Moses, then Moses died, and then they had um, um, Joshua, and then Joshua led till he died, and then by that time the generation that had been raised up died off and they turned from God and they ended up in the age of the judges. They got so far from God that they looked to the world as a model. God was supposed to be their king, the leader that God would raise up from Moses to Joshua to whoever would have led them, but they didn't want to be like that. They wanted to be like everybody else. They said, give us a king. Let us operate like the world. And he told Samuel the prophet, go ahead and do what they want. I've got a man. I'll show him to you. You go find him. He said, you anoint him. I'm going to give them what they want. They want a king. They're going to get a king. It didn't work the way they thought. Then he raises up finally another king, King David. But guys, listen, that was never God's intended plan. God intended to raise up his people, work through them, through him being their God, and the leaders that God raised up in the Old Testament were the priest and the Levites. And he gave them a priesthood, a temple, the tabernacle. When you, if you turn with me here, let's finish reading this first. Look at verse 22. No, look at verse 23. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all this people will also go to their place in peace. Friends, there's no one man can take care of all the people of God. Everyone 
has to look, and we have to find people who are able, people who fear God, people who are true, who live godly lives, and you appoint them. And he broke them up in groups of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And it was an organized system of leadership. He also, though, gave them spiritual leadership. I want you to turn with me to the same book, to the, to the chapter 28. How many of you have heard of the priest? The priest came through the tribe of Levi. He chose the Levites to be the overseers of the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrificial system that he would give them so that they could deal with their sin so that they could be spiritually able to have a relationship with him. And then he gave them the priest to mediate for them. And friends, listen, the priest and the Levites were primarily led by the law of Moses. That was their foundation. That was what the people of God was given by God to dictate how they relate one to another in God and operate. But he gave them leaders. And listen, he gave them the Levites. If you look in verse 28, look at verse 1, chapter 28. Now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel that they may minister to me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Look at the verse right above that, verse 21 in the previous chapter. In the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, inside the veil is where God was. He said, in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it. They can, what he's meaning is they're going to be the ones over it from evening until morning before the Lord. So he put them in charge. And guys, throughout the Old Testament, they were the ones who led and who was in charge of the work and presence of God on earth. The Levitical order consisted of all the descendants of Levi, three sons he had. And out of the Levites, Aaron's sons were the priests. If you look in Numbers, God said this to Moses in Numbers 8, 19. He said, and I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel so that they can do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting and be able to help the priest to make the atonement for the children of Israel. He gave the whole tribe of Levi to be under the priest who were the sons of Aaron. And Aaron's sons led all of the spiritual aspects of life for those people in the Old Testament. And they were in charge. And guys, listen, the Levites... A whole tribe, they didn't get an inheritance. You know what they lived on? The tithe of the rest of the tribes. All of the rest of those 11 tribes gave a tenth, and the Levites and the priests lived off of that and took care of them, and they were the spiritual leaders of the people of Israel. Up until Jesus came, there was a temple, and there was a priesthood. They evolved into what we know as the Sanhedrin Council. Y'all have heard of that. That's who judged Jesus. They were made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. Those were all priests. Ananias was the head of the Sanhedrin Council. He was the high priest. Now, by that time, they didn't only have a temple. They had synagogues. The synagogues were run and operated by the priest, and the Levites assisted and did the work. You think it's hard serving in the church today? You know what the Levites had to do? They had to tear down the tabernacle when they got ready to leave. 
They had to carry it all with them. When they got ready to set it up, they had to gather the water. They had to gather the firewood. They gave a burnt offering every day in the middle of a desert. How they got the wood, it was a miracle of God. I don't know. But it was a lot of work. And the Levites done all of that. And the, the priest overseen it. And that went on till you get to Jesus coming. And Jesus took the kingdom responsibility from Israel because they did not rightly represent him. They were all about themselves. They were all about their religion. And Jesus looks at them in Matthew 23, verse 1, and they said, Who do you, by whose authority do you do all these things? And Jesus said, by whose authority do you do? And Jesus asked them a question. He said, John the Baptist, was he from God or was he from heaven? And they went, well, if we say he's not from God, they're going to get upset because they all think he's a prophet. But if we say he's from God, then we ought to submit under him and obey him. <laughs> so they told him, we don't know. You know what Jesus told them? Jesus told the people, he said, and this is in Matthew 23, verse 1, Jesus spoke to the multitudes, to his disciples, and he said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That's the place of authority over God's people in the Old Testament covenant days. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to do, observe it. That observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for what they say they do not do. But you know what Moses did? He took the kingdom from them. They rejected their Messiah. They crucified him. And Jesus started the New Testament. And now God is represented in the church, the body of Christ. And God's chosen leaders in the church are pastors and deacons. And the primary thing that we work and operate from is that we have been commissioned to go and preach and teach the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, making disciples, bringing them in, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as they get saved by the cross, that sacrifice. We remember it every time in church when we do the what? The, 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 the communion meal. And we celebrate it every time we baptize somebody and they identify with God and his people. And they're in the church. And the gospel of Jesus is what we built upon. Primarily those four um, gospels tell what Jesus did while he was here. And then we have all the epistles and the letters to how we operate. But friends, I want you to think about this. That today, as you look and you see what God is doing, Primarily today, we are operating through the pastors and the deacons. I don't know if you pay attention to when you read the Bible, and if you really study the Bible, or you just read it. Or, but anyway, by the time Paul was an apostle, by the time he was writing the letters of Timothy and Titus, which was the pastoral letters, he was writing those letters to those young preachers to help them to do what? Lead the church. To stand for God and be the one who guides and directs and has the authority. You know what he told Titus in Titus chapter 1 verse 5? He says, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders, that's pastors in every city as I commanded you. By the time Paul wrote the book of Philippians, deacons, pastors, bishops, elders were already a part of the church because listen whenever he read the beginning of the letter of Philippi Paul and Timothy the first verse 
of the first chapter, the introduction to the book of Philippians says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, who in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Bishop can also be translated as overseer. And it is in many places. When you look at the things that stand for pastor, elders are not old people. Elders are the leaders of the church. Elders are the pastors. Elders are called shepherds. They're called bishops, which literally means overseers. And I'll read from you from the writings of um, Peter. Peter says in chapter 5, verse 1, The elders who are among you, I exhort. I am who am a fellow elder a witness of the sufferings of Christ, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serve them as overseers, but not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, to throw what? Oversee, to shepherd, to be their elder. And he says, being examples to the flock so that when the chief shepherd Jesus comes and appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. That's only for pastors. Say, I don't like that. What do I get? You get whatever he gives you for being a faithful believer in Jesus. I didn't ask for this. I got drafted. Most good pastors, that's what happens. God calls us. And pastors are the shepherds, the bishops, the overseers, the elders of the church. The deacons are servants that God called out. And when you look in the, church, in the book for deacons, they're always translated as deacons. That word literally means in the Greek, a servant. And friends, this how I was explained and taught in seminary even. I've never forgot it. Pastors are primarily leader servants. Deacons are primarily servant leaders. Pastors are leaders who still are supposed to serve. And deacons are servants who are to help lead. But my primary task as an elder, as an overseer, as a bishop, as your shepherd, is to lead the flock. He's given me, just like he gave the priests, the Levites, to undergird the temple ministry to be able to accomplish what he wanted done there spiritually. He's given the church and the leadership of the, the pastors, the deacons, to help us all work together to meet your needs, to serve you and him. Friends, that's the history of... The church, Bethany Baptist Church, the leadership structure is built on that model. But it must operate that way. And I want you to think about this. The Lord Jesus is the chief shepherd. I just read it to you. I'm the under-shepherd. If I'm not under Jesus, I'm not going to be able to lead you. And if you don't think I'm submitted to Jesus, you need to fire me today. If you don't think that Jesus is my Lord and that I'm here to serve him before anybody else and that I want to do what Christ wants for the church and the proof is it that I use his word and we're going by his word as much as possible. We're following the teachings of Christ in the New Testament Bible. And so then you got, in our church, we got me. I'm the senior pastor. Then we got a worship pastor. His name is Jonathan. We got a youth pastor. In reality, if you want to get biblical, that's our elders. They are the ones who have been given charge to minister over groups of people. Jonathan is over the youth ministry. He ministers, he pastors this group of people. He's in charge to shepherd them, to lead them. Sam is over the youth. You don't want me over the youth, they'll all be gone in three weeks. And you don't want me doing the music because you'd be gone in two weeks. 
but we got gifted men that God gave us that not only know how to play music, not only have the endurance and patience to put up with you, but love you, teach you, get in youth's business, become acquainted with the youth, become a pastor to them like I'm a pastor to you. And God puts them here. And that's what we have in our church leadership. But friends, it goes down, the deacons are here. And we are accountable to the deacons. The deacons, we don't, the deacons don't tell us what to do, but the deacons are there to help us, to watch us, to hold us. We all are trying to do one thing, follow Jesus. We're all trying to lead the church according to Jesus' will. And they're here to, to help us to do the other work in the church. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like financial budget meetings. I don't like property space. I, I don't mind doing some weed eating occasionally and helping, but if you notice, we got a finance and budget committee, and there's deacons on there with some of y'all lay people. And that's been given authority to oversee and have oversight and make the financial decisions and make sure we're being good stewards and we're using God's money correctly. If you have a ministry, you don't get to spend whatever you want of the church's money. You go through them. It's a system just like Moses had. And then you have the property and space. That's also sometimes called the, but, uh, the building and grounds committee. And they take care of the property and the building. Friends, you don't get to use the building any way you want if you have a ministry. You have to check through the leadership because what you want to do may affect other ministries. So we all have to work together. And so the deacons help us to do all that. You have a Sunday school. That's an important ministry who has many different classes and many different teachers. We have a men's ministry. We have a women's ministry. We also have children's ministry that is made up of Wednesday night blast. That's our building lives around sound truth kids ministry. We have kids church going on today as we speak. We have leaders involved with doing that. And then we'll have other things that come along through the year. We have beast feast that we do through the um, men's ministry. We have in VBS just coming around the corner. But VBS is always under the authority of the leadership that God has set up of the church. Everything is. And friends, you know, as this is going to work right, people can't just do whatever they want and never communicate and never work through the system that God has ordained. It doesn't give us more clarity in how Moses set this up, but they said what the people over a thousands do and the people over a hundreds do and the people over tens do, the people over fifties do, is they take care of all of the things they can take care of. And when they get something too difficult to them, if you had ten, you went to a fifty guy. If the fifty guy is kind of like, you know, you found help, but if it, it went all the way up to Moses, they brought it to Moses. That's why Moses didn't get bothered. They had a system. Now they had to have a way to communicate. They had to have a way to plan. They had to have a way that they... They, they, they worked it all out. There was some kind of way that all this system was put together. And guys, I don't know about you, but I like the idea that God says that he is not a God of confusion, that he is a God of peace. It's in all the churches of the saints. When God has got his church in order, and it says let everything be done in decency and in order. That's what you're going to have. When you're having a consistent, over and over, bunch of confusion, and nobody knows what nobody knows is doing, and things aren't being prepared, and things aren't being done right, I can promise you, it's not in the order God wants it to be. And so whose job is it to try to get it in order? 
Paul told Titus, I put you in Crete so you can set things in order and appoint leaders, primarily elders in every city. And so that's what God does. But guys, this is what you got to understand. Just because we write it down on a little piece of paper once a month and have nominating month and we got committees, but if those committees don't function, they're useless as the piece of paper they're written on. If those ministries don't operate under the leadership of God's people and God's spirit, they're not going to accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish. So what needs to happen? First of all, you've got to have the right people in the right place. God's kingdom leadership hinges on the right personnel, the right people who have the right spiritual gifts, who have the right calling of God, who have the right ministry equipment on their life. But more than that, who have the character and the spiritual qualifications that the Bible speaks of. The first thing he told Moses was go find men who are able. Men who are able to lead. And then go find the ones who are not only able, not only have abilities, but fear God. They are in the right relationship to God. They, they know who God is. Men who are of the truth. Men who not only can tell you the truth, but men's life who live for the truth. And then he said, men who don't love the world, men who hate covetousness, men who love me, and put them in place. Guys, the first thing, if someone's in a position, there has to be commitment. they got to be committed. And that means that they, they don't just take it and then not do it. They're, they're committed to the Lord first, they're committed to his body second, and they're committed to the planning, to the preparation. Guys, listen, it doesn't matter how many people you got in place if they're not committed. But guys, listen, it takes more than just being in place. It takes plans, plans that come from God, vision, um, goals that are set that we all work towards. So that takes planning. And a leader, if you're over the, the brotherhood or if you're over the women's ministry, you are planning constantly. You are working towards accomplishing what you're there for. And that takes communication, communication. So you got to have a person who's equipped and called by God in the right place, who's sold out to Jesus, and then a person who knows the plan, is working out the plan, he's communicating the plan. But then listen, just because we know the plan, then you got to prepare it. There's preparation. And guys, we are not seeing this happening in this church, and I've been here five years. Preparation is taking what plans you made with the people we have who are committed who are communicating together, and you cooperate together as a whole to accomplish what God put us here to do. And that's what Moses was doing. He said, Moses, if you keep trying to do this all by yourself, you're going to wear yourself out, you're not going to be able to endure, and these people and you are going to go under. So there has to be organization. There has to be spiritual guidance. That is shown in a system. And friends, administration is very important for a church to win souls and disciple people and build ministries that change lives that makes difference. You say, well, what's the most important part of this to accomplish this? I mean, you got the senior pastor, you got the worship pastor, the youth pastor, everybody in this, the finance and budget committee, the property and space committee, the deacons, the men's ministry, whoever the director is, the women's ministry, they all got to practice this. If you're in blast and you're not communicating to your people, if you're not planning and working your plan and preparing your plan and there's not communication and cooperation, it's not going to do nothing but have chaos, confusion. That's what God warned us about. 
But when everyone's working together and Jonathan takes care of the praise team and he takes care of the youth group and I take care of the preaching and and seeking God and praying and ministering to y'all and helping y'all where the, the things that we need. But the deacons do their part. The finance committee does its part. Everyone does, but there has to be a way for all of these separate ministries that are operating the way God intended them to under the God-given man, under the God-given plan, carrying out the God-anointed preparation through what? Commitment, communication, and cooperation. This church will change the world. But friends, you say, well, how, what, what ties it all together? I hate to tell you, but it ain't the senior pastor's office. In a church like ours, there's needs, and as you grow, you have to increase your needs. Right now, we got three pastors, and only two, one is full-time. But if you're going to grow, and you're going to build, and God's going to add to our number, yes, you're going to have to have more. Some churches, we have liberty in Christ. They don't just have a senior pastor or a youth pastor. They have associate pastors that are there for education. You've heard of an education minister. You've heard of a assistant associate pastors they are taking care of administration but even if you get all that you still got to have this for it to work you know where it all comes together in the church office the church office is the hub that makes all of this work can you see my little dot that's a circle of leadership right there senior pastor youth pastor deacon worship pastor right there we're a circle of leadership for God's kingdom in the church. But there's got to be something that keeps us all helping. The, then you got all of this. This is another hub. you got this working here. under, the, And the deacons help flow through this. But it all starts at Jesus. It works back down. And it all works together. Friends, the office should be a place where when we go in there, you find help. You find assistance. It should be a place where communication is given from one ministry team to another. That hasn't been happening here. Friends, you can't just say, I'm going to do this with my ministry and do whatever I want. Because you'll mess up not only that ministry, but you'll mess up the other ministries. We're fixing to have an invitation. And today, Brother Jonathan, I know I didn't tell you, but I'm playing drums. If you don't like it, tough. I'm the pastor. I can do what I want. If I'm stupid enough, unspiritual enough, I'm going to play the drums in a little while. I'm going to show you what happens. How many of you think they're a well-organized, well-prepared, they have a plan, they've been working hard to do what they do? Amen. How many of you think they got a man from God that knows how to lead them? It takes one sick fish in an aquarium to make all the other fish sick. And friends, listen, the wrong person in the wrong place affects everybody. The ministry has to work according to the way God designed it to work. And I didn't make this rule, but it starts at the pastor, and it works down through the leadership, and everybody who has a position has a responsibility to work in the God-ordained manner. So when we get ready, Vincent, I know you got moved, but brother. Guess what, man? You're getting an upgrade. You just stand up here. And if anybody comes forward, deal with it. Take care of it, man. Just pray, God, help me. Because he'll help you. That's what everybody tells me. 
He'll give you what to do when you need to do it. You don't have to be prepared. You don't have to have a plan. You don't need no help. Just stand up here and say, God, you're God. You can take me and make me. If somebody needs to get saved, Vincent, lead them to the Lord. Are you ready, Vincent? Are you nervous? Do you feel uncomfortable? I know the feeling, brother. <laughs> no one tells you nothing. They just do it, and then what they do messes up something else you already did and had planned because it's out of order. Now, I'm going to get up here, and I'm going to show you how I pray the drums. What is these things on? I don't know how to turn them on. All right, because we're fixing to have it. As a matter of fact, come on up here, praise team. What song are we playing? Now, I'm just the band in the corner. I'm out of the way. The drums ain't amazing. I mean, Jonathan, you the leader. You ought to make it work, all right? All right, what are we playing? Because I didn't come to practice. All right. Any advice for me there, um, Vincent? <laughs> he just left. <laughs> Vincent, I was, there you go, brother. Hang in there, God will help you. Oh, yeah. Y'all want to hear this every Sunday? <laughs> I searched the world It couldn't fill me Man's empty praise Treasures to fade But never enough And you came along get the point do y'all want Vincent to do the invitations every Sunday some of you might want him to Vincent was you was you feeling uncomfortable brother would you like me to tell you about this before church <laughs> now I'm making this really worse than but I'm trying to make a point I don't have no more business on them drums than some of you because I don't know nothing about playing drums. I ain't been given the ability. I, I see, when you're in church, you can't walk to the beat of your own drummer. You can't do whatever you want. You've got to walk to the beat of God's heart. And his heart flows through his people. You can't tell his leaders what to do. Because it'll get out of place. And friends, listen. We... We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses. We all have gifts that we can contribute, but those gifts are determined on what God has given us the ability to do. And those abilities, no matter how great they may be, no matter how awesome and the skills that you have, if you don't fear God and you're not in a relationship with the Lord where you reverence and respect and give Him lordship over your life, you're not going to be given spiritual authority to be over another life. If we're not submitted to Christ, that's why so many of our parents have no spiritual authority over their children. Because they know and watch you. You ain't no more under Jesus. 
A husband has a spiritual authority over the home. And yes, that is true over the wife. But it don't make him a dictator. It makes him a sacrificial servant like Jesus was. That he gives his life for his wife and his family. And he puts them first. And when that godly wife sees that, that he's a sacrificial man of God who loves us, who lives his life to provide for us, to protect us, and he leads us as best he can According to Jesus, you don't have to ask that wife to, to submit. When we went to my church at Why Not, they had these two women. They were career women. One ran this college, and the other one was the big English professor. So you know me and her didn't get along. She was always correcting my English. And I finally just said, look, God, they know what I said. I'm in Why Not. They know English people like you. But anyway, they kept trying to want to give her a job. I said, Diane, don't work. She's got a job. What does she do? She works for the Lord and for me. And they were like, poor Diane, she's under him. He's such a male chauvinist. Man, what they didn't know is Diane didn't want them messing up her plan. She loves working for Jesus. She loves not having to go to work every day. Last thing she wanted to do is go to work at that college. But they was like, uh, and she, I'm trying to help you all out. It would help you to have a job. I said, we got Jesus to take care of. But friends, listen to that. We have give up on God's role. And I know this is going to make me sound bad to some of you. But God's role is for that husband to be leading that home. But not only leading that home, to be out there making the money for that home and providing for that home. You know where that mama's job is to be? In the home. Being the keeper of the home. The homemaker of the home. Over those children. Nurturing. And when it's God's given order, which it was when I was a kid, it was the beginning of all this. But man, I had a mama that stayed home. She walked us to the school to the, catch the bus at the front yard every day. She walked us out to the bus, put us on the bus. Finally, we got on. Now, Mama, please quit doing this. But when we got off, it was good to see Mama because she had snacks. We'd go watch Gilligan. Before Gilligan was over, we don't eat our sandwiches. Well, we eat for supper, Mama. She had supper on the stove. Mama had her role, and my daddy had his role. And you know why the families today predominantly are so dysfunctional? They are not under the God-given authority of leadership. Daddy ain't in charge of most homes. Mama is and some. The children are so confused, they don't know what the role of God's role is. And friends, listen, since it's changed, do you think it's gotten better? Do you think our culture is more of God? It was a lot better when we settled for what one paycheck could give and trusted God for the rest and let everybody just be satisfied to let God take care of us and work out our homes. But today, it's all messed up. And friends, I didn't come up with this plan. God did. And friends, that works there. It works in church. It works in everything that God is over. He has a set way to do it. And it doesn't make some people wrong or some people better. It's just where God gifts us and puts us. And so I want you to hear from my mouth that we have been working and we've been having some troubles and some organization problems, communication problems. And I prayed and prayed and I got some of the deacons to come with me and I went and talked to Miss Barbara. Miss Barbara has been telling me for quite a while she was going to step down. In fact, between us, she, she was talking about resigning when she lost Sean. But we went to her and I asked Miss Barbara, would you consider letting us get somebody else to operate the office? Miss Barbara, thank God, agreed and She's going to help us through the transitional project process. 
she's going to be with us for the next month or until we get somebody. But we are in the process right now of looking for a new office manager. I want, want us to be thinking of a secretary. We want a ministerial assistant. We want someone who wants to minister and use the office as a means to be an assistant to ministry, to be a manager of what they need to do and to connect with everybody. The office needs to become a place where you know you can call and get connected to the people you need to get connected to, where information can flow freely, where you can go in there and get whatever you need. And we're going to work all that out. We need to thank God for Miss Barbara. She's been here over 10 years as our secretary. And God's used her for a lot. But we're going to be moving forward. We got a blacktop to none today. Have y'all seen the big mountain back there? Now, if you let your kids play on that mountain, that is called Doo-Doo Mountain. And the reason it's called Doo-Doo Mountain is because that dirt came from a septic tank system where they dug up three field lines. And Wednesday night, I seen kids up there playing King of the Mountain. And if they got in your car going home and they smelt bad, be warned, you have been told and communicated to that that is not regular dirt. Amen. But that's going to be spread one day. We're going to eat over it. Ain't that good to think about? It's going to be a fellowship hall. Because how many of you think it's wonderful we got this, but you'd rather have a fellowship hall again? Well, guys, that's what God can do when we're organized and we work together. And we got to have a future and we need to do things differently than we've been doing. And with the new things that are available we can communicate better with other means and do all kinds of stuff and I thank God for Miss Barbara being willing to work with us as we find the person who God is going to lead us to but you got to trust your leaders you got to trust your pastor you got to trust these guys you've got to trust your deacons and our leadership and guys listen we need to lead according to the way God wants us to be led there's so many things that we can use that we need here. We need a really good person down the road to become the director of our Sunday school program because Sunday school will never, ever grow and run the way it was ordained to grow without a leader that's over that program. Whoever's over any ministry you do, whether it's a class, you run that class, you're, we all have to do it God's way. Today, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, one of the big battles with getting saved. You know why people fight it? Because deep down in your spiritual understanding, you know that to get saved means you give up your right to do anything you want to do. You, you realize that that is what got you in trouble with God in the first place. Repentance, turning from the world, turning from a life that lives for self, that forsakes the things of God for the things of the world. You live for a covetous spirit. You just want to get all the gusto, all the things of the world. You want to do it like the world. But the church is not like the world. The church is a different place. And as we do it God's way and he works through us, God blesses. And so we need to all work together. Thank God for one another. And look at we, what we got. Just in five years, we've moved out of the old sanctuary. We came in here. We've got a parking lot. And I'm telling you what, I think God's only begun to do what he can do if we'll let him be God and lead and direct us. So I just want to share with you where we are tonight. I know there's going to be people wanting to know. If you got questions, that's what the office is for. I'm available 24-7. Y'all pay for a cell phone. I ain't got it with me because I'm afraid it'll go off in here. See, you still shaking your pocket. But you know that cell phone? 
is paid for y'all for a reason. And I give y'all full permission. Don't listen to the, well, we heard. Would you hear it from? She heard or he heard from him. And this one heard from that. Call me. Call me. I have nothing to hide. I have no plans that I don't want to share. Ask anybody. If you start talking to me about church, you might want me to leave before long because I'll sit there and talk about it all day. I want us to share information. The office is there. If you need help, call. We'll make an appointment. We need to create it where we all work together. And so I hope you'll realize that the office is a place where we all can find the information we need. When I was at my other church, I've been here five years. When I got here, I was like thinking, well, I'm going to set my office up, man. I decorated it. And I don't know how many of you have been in my office. I'm proud of my office. It's cool. Got a couch if you want to come hang out. Got a, even got a little chair that reclines. I don't tell everybody that. But, man, people came to my office all the time at my other church. Man, they, they would call. They said, man, we just got off work. We rained out. What y'all doing? Y'all up there, you and Marcus? Yeah. They'd come by. They'd come in. They'd start talking. Marcus would come in. Jonathan's there now. Sue Ellen was my secretary. She'd come in. Man, we'd get to talk. It was the hangout of why not everybody came. We, we worked things to get. Everybody loved to be there. On Sunday, I had to tell people, y'all leave where I can pray before I go preach. They'd come in my office. When they got out of Sunday school, no one ever comes in my office. I don't want it to be that way. God didn't give me an office just to sit in there by myself, although there's times. He gave me that office to be a place where y'all can come and sit with me and talk to me. and We communicate together. He gave us that office for the same reason. And guys, I invite you in the future as we move forward, we get the person God's going to show, and we begin to get the office working in a way to where it's going to make us more effective to utilize that announcements. I was given an announcement today, and I'm not wrong. I'm not complaining, but I'm telling you from a pastor knowing that our car wash would have been much more effective if it would have been properly promoted through communication, better planning, better preparation, They'd have been much better cooperation today because you know when I found out and was reminded and told about it? About 40 minutes ago. Would you announce it today? It should have been announced for the last bunch of Sundays. That screen should have been being up there that there's a car wash today that you can get your car wash from one to four and it's to help raise money for our little kids to go to church. Lack of promoting causes lack of participation. And it's all communication. It's not just picking out something to do and deciding to do it and then just doing it. There's a right way and a wrong way. And I told Miss Jessica, I said, we got to get better at these announcements. And she said, show me how. I talked to Sam. They know stuff that we don't know. They know how to make something where we all can work through the phone. Guys, there's better ways to do all this. Way better than what we've always done. And only Jesus knows what all we can do. Now, this is a different kind of message, but it's needed. Because if you say, you need to be preaching about soul winning. You should have shared the gospel. You should have been talking about the cross. You can preach the gospel every Sunday. But if we're all disorganized and confused, and it's causing drama, and it's causing dissension, no one's getting saved around here. Nobody's lives are getting changed. If we'll get in order, you'll see a big difference in what happens here in this church. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to get in order. 
We're going to do things decently. We're going to get rid of confusion. And we're going to fix it as best we can, and God's going to help do the rest. Amen? Amen. Well, now, Vincent, can you play drums still? We're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to plead with you to let God lead. Trust Him. Trust the leadership. If you don't trust me, if you don't trust our deacons, then you need to fire us. You need to get different ones. Because if you can't trust us, then what are we here for? We are going to find a person and it's going to help us to be a better, more effective church. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray. You can do what you need to do with this sermon. I'm going to ask everybody that will to come and pray and ask God to lead us, give us the wisdom, the discernment, and open the door to the right person. And also, I want to ask you to come and thank God for Miss Barbara and pray for Miss Barbara as she goes through this transition time in her life and be mindful of her. So if you'll come and pray for that, I would appreciate it. Or you can pray where you're at, but I believe God likes humble people that kneel. And so I'm going to ask you to join me. We'll have to alter and let's pray for God's person that they're going to provide and for Miss Barbara and just to celebrate and thank her for what she's done for us. And, and, and we'll move forward in Jesus' name and see great things happen. As I pray, if you need to come forward, come on. Father, we want to thank you again for your God-given wisdom, for the examples that you show us in the Word of God. And Lord, we want to follow that model. And Lord, I pray that you would help the deacons and myself and all of our leaders to have the wisdom and the, and the discernment to be those people that you put in place that we might use our gifts our abilities together and Lord we need someone that can come a special person that can help us to manage the office to move us and forward and to help us to build and create a stronger ministry and to do new and awesome things to help us all to work together for your glory for your benefit of these people here. And Lord, we ask you to be with Miss Barbara. We thank you for her. We pray your blessings over her life and help us to love her. And just, Lord, I thank you. She's willing to go ahead and help us do this. And Lord, as we all work together, we know you have a person that you're going to provide. And we just thank you for it already. So we ask you to do these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.